And we're back with the BuildWit internal podcast. I am the host of this podcast, Aaron Witt, joined by my co-host, Alex Horton. Howdy. I'm a, so we're not, we're not co-hosts. You're, you're like a pilot and I'm like the co-pilot. We're not co-pilots. I guess so. It's fine. I mean, it can be whatever you want. I'm just trying, I mean, to, get, trying to get it right. You know, I am. I do. I like being the star of the show. Sure. So for the sake of my ego. Well, it's called build wit for a reason. I, I would. It, <laughs> yeah. I've gotten into that on podcast before. Yeah. My regret. We've talked about it. Putting my name in the pot in the company. Yes. But we're back with episode formally episode. The, the second time we've done this mm-hmm. where we have invited the company to a- ask us their questions and hopefully we can provide clarity, entertainment, and maybe even inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, of all the questions I've got so far, I'd say maybe 25% is comedy questions. That's fine. I, I, comedy that, questions are encouraged. That's what I'm saying. So I feel like we're in a, we're in a good place. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, to, to, we're, we're going to be trying a bunch of new stuff with the internal podcast. We're going to try to give people a reason or three to, to listen every single week. Uh, we just want to give some people credit, welcome some people. I know we have a new hire this week, uh, Brian, as a videographer, which is extremely exciting. Um, second videographer ever, which is a very big deal. Um, pretty amazing that Angel has lasted this long doing it all on his own. Um, so we're, we're excited to have him. And then as far as birthdays are concerned, I know it's Kara's birthday. Oh, yeah. Or was. I don't know when this comes out. This but- come out Friday, so it'll... it'll- be a couple of days after her birthday. Okay, but just happy birthday. Yeah, but to happy Ms. birthday, Kara. Kara. Yeah. So that's the new section of the podcast is welcomes and birthdays. Haven't really penciled the rest out yet. Yeah, I think we're just feeling it out, which is um, how we do it at Build It. <laughs> yes. You see, like, uh, maybe this works. Yes. And sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. But fortunately, we have questions to provide us with some content. For you today. We do. The first question uh, this is from Matt Biddle. He, I love that he started off his question with, not sure if this one has been asked before. <laughs> We've only had two questions, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> your, your odds are pretty good yeah. at this point. Um, all right, so his question is... Clearly, who, clearly you heard the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's what he means by not sure. He hasn't actually listened. Um, all right, he asks, which partner, past or current has been a partner that you wish all the partners could be like? Um, so this is actually a dangerous question. And I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Okay. Because Dan and I, we've been talking and it's really, it's really easy to start wishing everybody was as easy as a partner, for example. Like we were at Southern Sight and we were yeah. just like, man, I wish everybody was just like Southern Sight. Mm-hmm. And, and, there are specific qualities we look for in partners. We want them to treat us like a partner. That's why we use the term yeah. partner for, for new people. It's, it's not this bullshit phrase. It's, it's real and it means something. Um, they need to be, you know, invest in, in our, in our mission. They need to treat their people well. They need to want to represent the future of the industry. So there's basic requirements, but there's a lot of different companies that fit within that that mm-hmm. realm. Yeah. And I think we've made the mistake recently of thinking, especially with some of these older companies, that they're going to be as easy as a Southern site that's been around for just a few years. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, a Gelati or a NACO or, you know, a company that's been around a hundred years, 
In what sense is that going to be as simple as a company that's just been around a few years, especially from, you know, like a rebranding perspective? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I don't necessarily want to single out a specific partner. Are there partners that everybody enjoys more than others? Sure. But I don't necessarily want every partner to be the same. I, I like that there's different ages mm-hmm. of companies. I like that there's different sizes and for they're from different regions, run by different people, have different ownership and operating structures. I like the diversity of the partnership we have as long as they fit within our principles. And that goes to like hiring at the company, for example. I don't want everyone to have the same opinions and same viewpoints and same background as long as they fit within our values, which a wide variety of people can fit within those values, Mm -hmm. we're good to go. Um, So I think that's where I leave this one is I feel as a whole extraordinarily positive about the current partners we have. I'm very excited to be working alongside all of the partners that we have right now. Mm -hmm. There's a few that we're we're working through issues on, um, but we have total confidence in the group that we have. And I'm very fortunate and oftentimes just confused how we have such a wonderful group of people and wonderful group of companies to do business with. Mm -hmm. So that's where I leave that. I think that's fair. Um, I think that there is a similarity between the way that we hire and the way that we sign on partners. It's extremely intentional and especially intentional in a way that um, I don't know that is typical among uh, like a, a, classic, you know, media agency. Yeah. Um, and so like, kind of like you were saying, once they become a partner, the fact that they're a partner, they check a bunch of boxes already. You know what I mean? It's not like, well, you know, we've had such and such partner for, and I'm, I'm just like speaking in the future. We've had such and such partner for five years, but they suck, but they pay good. You know, like that doesn't, that doesn't really exist. No, we've already weeded out. Hey, we're just not a good fit. We yeah. don't communicate well. You know, whatever the, the question is, um, either those things get ironed out or they're not a good fit. And some people have seen recent changes um, within the past six months, but re- realistically, it took us about a year and a half to get it dialed in, and there was a lot of turnover the first year, sure. first year and a half that most people at the company now they never saw. And once we got past that, we've been able to really figure it out. Um, but I just. I gen- people have asked me quite a bit, like, who's your favorite partner? And I don't have an answer to that question because I don't necessarily have a favorite. And I just don't think it's worth comparing partners. Mm-mm. I mean, I think that there's always going to be um, like qualities that, you know, we're going to wish that, you know, every, every partner had, but they already sort of do have those things because Correct. they're the partners. Yeah. It's a great question, though. This is something I've, that's been on my mind a lot recently in the past week or so. Um, so it's it's spot on. I'm I'm glad I'm glad Matt asked this because I think it's very worthwhile to to discuss. Can I can I expand the question just a little bit, please? Um, can you talk a little bit about what um, makes a great partner for us? Uh, oh, I I touched on it a little bit. They need to be open minded. They need to want to engage in that long term partnership that we're seeking. They need to have extraordinary respect and appreciation and uh, a high-level investment for their people, which is a, a big thing. They need to trust us. There has to be a certain degree of trust there that, hey, we know what we're doing and we're, we're going to do the right thing for them, make, make, it, make it so that they look the best that they can. 
Um, they want to have, you know, they're hungry to represent the future of the industry. Um, they understand that the industry has to change and, and they have to change whether, you know, it doesn't have to be overnight, but they know that they might have to be doing things differently to keep people attracted to their businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, they just need to operate with, with a high level and sense of integrity. Um, most of them have very strong safety programs because that's just a natural thing for a great company to have is make sure their people are, are very safe. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that's, that's yeah. it. You know, some are, hey, we want to grow six, 7% a year. We've been doing this for a hundred years. We just want to steadily grow. And some are like, hey, I want to go dominate the world. We can't have a whole group of partners that wants to go yeah. dominate the world. You know, we can't have a whole group of partners that wants to grow at six or 7%. So it's, I think it's it's really valuable that we have a blend. And it's valuable that even some of the companies that have been around longer that have proven to be more difficult, especially from like a rebranding perspective and mm-hmm. a web perspective, there's a lot of value to having those companies in the partnership. Because to have, I mean, just look at the S&P 500, the 500 largest companies in the United States. There's very few companies on that list that have been around for over 100 years. Very few. A majority of the companies on the S&P 500 currently have not been around for more than 100 years. And so you have to think that's just a lot of history and a lot of understanding that is extraordinarily valuable within the partnership and just in society in general, I feel like. Well, thanks for the good question, Matt Biddle. Um, Next question. Uh, I'll attach a name to this one too. I think we're good. Uh, from Jake Pico, social media manager. First, he asked two questions, but I think we there's time for both these questions. Okay. First one, uh, your best and worst BuildWit travel stories. Anything that jumps out for either of those descriptions? Best and worst. Man, Angel and I were joking about the other day. There, uh, there have been so many, they all blend together. There's a few that definitely come to mind very quickly. The Middle East was absolutely wild. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's funny because the best and the worst are kind of the same. It's like pizza. Yeah. Even it, if it's a bad trip, it's still, it's still pizza. It's still pretty Well, bad. but like the trip was was bad at the time, but then looking back on it, it's a very positive thing. Yeah, what's that called? Type two fun? It's type two fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's type two trips are, yeah. I think, what, what are the most fond for me. So the Middle East was was really just a wonderful life experience for me. It was probably the most brutal week of my life. But looking back on it, definitely one of my favorite build with trips to date. Um, just being able to see equipment, earth moving in such a different place with a different culture mm-hmm. was was really surreal and special. And I'm excited to head back there later this year. Yeah. Um, well, this time last year, Angel and I were embarking on our road trip. The BuildWit Roadshow. Yeah, over <laughs> a month on the road, um, 7,500 miles, tons of companies, visited all sorts of crazy stuff. And it was pretty brutal. It was pretty harsh to be, you know, you're working seven days a week for over a month and then traveling on top of that, changing time zones all the time. Having, having to try to get to somewhere as well as work every one of those days. It's, it was pretty, pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I wanted to do, want to do it again, but man, that was awesome. And looking back on it, 
um, you know, something bad. I crashed a rental car a few years ago when me and Chell were driving to the airport. Our flights got canceled in Greenville. Uh, I think it was Greenville, South Carolina or North Carolina. I don't, I forget what Carolina it's in. And the flight was from there to Charlotte, but Charlotte's like an hour and 15 away. So we're like, well, we missed our flight. It got canceled. Why don't we just drive to Charlotte and try to get on, get on the plane? Yeah. Unfortunately, it was storming out and I wrecked the car on the interstate while driving there. That was a boo-boo. Sure. That was definitely something that's been seared into my brain. Don't love that. No. Um, another really bad experience was when I, and I don't know if I've told this, I've, I've definitely told this story a bunch. I don't know if I specifically told it to this group though. When I flew into Indianapolis to go see Midwest Mole, and it might've been the first trip with Midwest Mole, first time I'd ever gone there. And this was when I, I ran the company out of money for the first time. Um, got to the airport, uh, got to Indianapolis. At, it was like midnight on a Sunday. Get there, go to the rental car desk. Well, I look at my app and it says, you need to go see the desk. I'm like, oh, that's weird. But all right, I'll go, I'll go to the desk. And I'm mm-hmm. tired. You know, you're just off the plane. You're like, I just want to go to bed. I have to work this week. I'm in a weird place. Yeah. This was still pretty early on the company. And I get to the desk and they say, well, your card didn't go through. So I hand them my card again. You, it's a mistake. Mm-hmm. No, it's still not going through. So I'm like, oh, it must be just be a problem. So I call American Express and they're like, um, yeah, we, we, we turned your card off because you didn't make your payment. I'm like, well, what do you mean we didn't make your payment? Well, you, you just didn't make your payment. And I thought, you know, it's an American Express. It's a credit card. You don't have to, you can just turn automatic payments off to it and just start racking up a little bit of, a little bit of credit card debt to carry carry you through like 20 days. Yeah. I, you know, I, I knew money was coming, but I needed a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. They didn't like that. And they said, um, so yeah, we can't turn your card on. And also you owe us $53,000 by the end of this year or end of this week. It was like 50 grand or yeah. like 55 grand, some, somewhere in there. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, I don't, I mean, I probably had like, it was like less than 10 grand in the account at that time. Mm-hmm. I, I had no no way to get that money. Yeah. I was scared shitless. And fortunately, I I called my girlfriend at the time. She reminded me that I had another credit card, personal credit card in my bag just for emergencies. Got the rental car and was just sitting in the rental car like 12:30 at night on a Sunday waiting for Angel, just sitting there like how the fuck am I going to find $50,000 by the end of this week? Yeah. How? And miraculously we did it because we're here talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to Dylan Stevens, he really helped us out on that one. Uh, but that was that was a really shitty trip and something that I will not forget. So I don't know. I could go on and on and on and on and on. Probably this not subject. a lot. Of, probably not a lot of type two fun on that last trip story. No, but it was a great lesson. Yeah, sh- certainly learn a lot from that. I wouldn't want to do it again because that was a really shitty feeling. But it was good. I mean, there's I don't know. I could sit here and reminisce all the time. Uh, about all sorts of stuff. And even if trips are going right, like sometimes, you know, I've been through parts of my life where I've been going through a hard time and that's all you can think about when you're on the trip. And mm-hmm. so for whatever reason, that trip seared into your mind. It's just, it's just weird. Um, so I think that's where I'll leave it. Okay. Um, Jake Pico's second question, would you rather have 50 tarantulas in your house or a thousand crickets in your room? Probably the tarantulas. I feel like that would be a lot more manageable because tarantulas, they get a bad rap. They're, they're not, I mean, they're not mean. Between arachnophobia and home alone, 
I think like that set probably a lot of people in a certain like age bracket against spiders. Yeah, but but the but the thing is, if you confront your fear, even if you're deathly afraid of spiders, like if you have to make it happen, you have to choose one or the other. Sure. If you confront the spiders head on, you're like, wow, these tarantulas are actually very friendly. And I only got 50 of them. And maybe I can start training them to do things for me around the house or <laughs> yeah. whatever it may be. That's way cooler than a room full of crickets. That's true. And like crickets getting in everywhere and like getting in your little ear holes and no, 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 no. I also would choose 50 tarantulas. It's because I've basically lived the thousand crickets thing, except it was in a car. And um, we we were going on a camping trip and we were going to fish. And so we got this like big giant thing of crickets. Oh, and they spilled. And it spilled because you don't have a top oh. on it because they can't jump out. And it spilled over and it was the worst because wow. there was just no getting them out. And like there was some still in there, like in terms of actually getting to fish, that was fine. But I mean, they're. Yeah, you can't do I We mean, probably had 200 crickets in that car for a couple of days. You probably, you should have just got some lizards and then put the lizards in the car. Oh, that's true. To set them in there, yeah. just lock it. Yeah. I'll be like, I'll come get you in a couple of days. Yeah. And they, they just feast. I've got a friend whose dog is like the neighborhood dog for, we got a mouse. They're like, yeah, I'll bring my little terrier over. She'll get it. And they do. They just bring it over. It's amazing. Ten minutes later, it's over. Yeah, up in Montana, there's a, a cat that hangs out on the house, and she leaves a mouse out on the front porch probably every day. <laughs> like, look what I found. She's just a machine. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's, um, yeah, that's an easy decision. Fifty tarantulas, no yep. problem. Good call. Good call. Thanks, Jake Pico. And tarantulas are sought a sought after pet too, so you could catch them and sell them. It's true. This might this is a value proposition. Yeah, can't get a lot of money for. A thousand crickets, but no. Although I did used to buy crickets for lizard food. Oh, that's true. That's how they get you. If you're trying to feed feed a feed a lizard, probably more expensive than if you're just trying to fish with them. And on the bright side too, if your house is full of tarantulas, they eat bugs. You're never gonna have bugs. True. True. Same thing with like possums. You know, possums are kind of sketchy, but they eat mosquitoes and stuff like that. Ticks. Yeah, or, yeah, I, I, they're a good thing. And but uh, it would be an awkward conversation every time someone would come over to your house. Like, so listen, <laughs> it's gonna be a little scary at first, yep. but they're all fine. Like we've had a conversation. They're nice to the guests. It's cool. Like the, they're gonna make the dinner. We're just gonna hang out. They make a mean dinner yep. and some wonderful mixed drinks. <laughs> That's hilarious. You start buying like spider clothes. <laughs> um, okay, well we can move on from that. I think we. <laughs> We answered that one pretty good. Uh, next question. This one is anonymous. Does BuildWit plan on going international, like going to Australia, South Africa, Canada, et cetera? Um, eventually. I, there's a lot of similarities in the markets and problems um, in developed nations. I'd say like Australia is a perfect one. Canada is a perfect one. Britain, Europe, European Union overall. Those are probably the 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 initial prospects uh, because they, they most resemble the United States and the labor issues. You know, a lot of other countries, they don't have labor issues because they're developing mm-hmm. and you don't have this higher class of people all working in these finance jobs like we do in this wonderful country. Um, so that said, I don't think it'll be all that soon because we have a lot of shit to figure out in the United States first before sure. we go elsewhere. 
and I really want to get everything dialed in here before we get um, into the complications of expanding internationally because it's not as simple as just setting up an office in Toronto. There's a lot to it. Mm -hmm. So I want to get really good, really dominant in the United States and then pursue international expansion. Now, that said, does that keep us from doing occasional international work if it fits? No, I, I, I'm always looking for international opportunities. And like the reason why I'm so excited to go to the Middle East beyond just my personal fascination for it is that it puts us on a global stage yeah. and it gives us a ridiculous amount of credibility. Because if BuildWit is going halfway around the world to shoot for the Saudi cat dealer, that's a really big deal. And yeah. that gives us insane credibility here in the United States. I mean, every, ever since I went on that trip, it changed the conversation. And that's people two years later still talk to me about it to this day. They're like, so didn't you, didn't you go to like the Middle East or something like that? Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know I did. And it's two years ago. Mm -hmm. Like it's a while ago and people are still talking about it. So, uh, will we do international work here or there just for fun and, and for strategic purposes? Sure. But it won't be for a while until we formally expand into different countries. I mean, you can't make the dirt world a better place unless you go international. That's a great point. Just saying. Damn. Well, we will. We will one day. Yeah, it's it's not the it's not the dirt nation. It's the dirt world. That's true. Um, I, I've I've always found the way you you've talked about how and when we we might move out of just like an American market. I've always found that really interesting. Um, because like you've said, some of those markets like are pretty similar, but there's also enough differences that like, we can't just do it willy nilly. No. And it's mostly just cultural, financial, legal differences Mm -hmm. that aren't worth wading through right now with, with as small as we are. And the thing is with people ask me that question a lot of times because they're kind of hinting at like, isn't this a little too niche? Like, I mean, come on, the market for this can't be all that big in the United States. You're going to have to go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And when it's like that, you can kind of pick up on, you're like, you have no idea how much money there is exchanged in this industry annually. Mm -hmm. You have no idea how many millions of people there are in this industry. You have no idea how big these problems are. There is so much opportunity. So do we really ever need to go internationally to continue to grow? I don't necessarily think so. So it's not really a, we need more opportunity and, international is the only way to do it, like a Netflix, for example. Um, but there will be unique opportunities available to us that we'll want to pursue. Yeah, I think that makes sense. You know, I, I think when the time comes that we do expand in those ways, I think it'll be like extremely clear how or that it's like extremely clear that it's it's the time to do it. Yeah. And not like, well, this is going pretty good. Maybe we should move into another you know i just don't feel like that's the phase that when that makes sense yeah um so that's an exciting thing to think about though all right uh we'll go last question here this is from uh james our boy james he even said i could use his name he, he specifically said i can use his name um i guess so if you do not want your name used clarify that otherwise Based on how today's going, I'm assuming the name is probably going to get used. Yeah, although get you uh, some get you some press, get you some press. But I also think um, I'm going to sometimes make think questions anonymous if the question seems 
like we don't really need to attach it to somebody. Um, like, but in theory, like where I'm going with this in the culture that we're building, I don't foresee a lot of questions long-term being anonymous. No, I don't either. Because I really do want to create a business in which anyone is okay with asking anything. Whatever they want. At any time. Yeah. And that's how we start it. Yeah. With this podcast. Um, so last question from James. Regarding some of the new companies, what ultimately made you choose subscription-based business models and how might that strategy evolve in the long term? Um, subscription-based business models are extremely attractive because it's reoccurring revenue. And so what I've, what I've been learning is like contractors, for example, they're not worth a whole lot because when you buy a construction company, you're really just buying um, a little bit of market share, but you're really by just buying assets and backlog. And if the owner or someone steps away, they're not pursuing that backlog like they were, the company in theory could become worthless pretty quickly, mm -hmm. regardless of how long it's been there, because there's no reoccurring revenue there. They have to chase every new project. And if they stop chasing work, they stop generating revenue and value. Yeah. Whereas in a reoccurring revenue model, it's a lot more sustainable because you're creating a reoccurring stream of revenue which is much more valuable in the marketplace as well. And it's much more valuable for the business as a whole because now we can accurately project what our cash situation looks like and revenue situation looks like monthly and annually. Um, and that allows the business to just be more effective in its planning and allocation of resources. Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 a simpler, it's a simpler model. Uh, you get the cash very quickly. Uh, because every month it's just an automated charge. So you're just automatically getting the cash. Whereas uh, again, you know, construction companies, they'll wait sometimes 90 days before they get paid for anything. So they'll be working for three months before they see a single dollar on sometimes tens of millions of dollars in work. Um, and, and so that's a really big deal. And that, that reoccurring model will allow us to have a much higher valuation, which will open many more doors for us. Yeah. So, and, and it's just, it's not even that this model is like, we evaluated all different models and we're like, yes, this is the model to go to. This is just what naturally has happened. Mm. And so I think, I think ultimately we've gone with this model and the reoccurring model because it's just the natural direction we've marched in and, and been pulled in. And I think, we've been pulled in that direction for many very good reasons. So I'm excited to be on a more reoccurring basis. And this is a great question because that reoccurring model is going to be across our entire business. So at the partnership level, we're pursuing that reoccurring model, mm -hmm. which that partnership model percentage of revenue. So that's a huge deal. And leaders reoccurring model monthly to be a part of it, monthly subscription. And then at the top end, it will also be roughly a reoccurring model on the platform side of things. Mm -hmm. um, so, so a, there's like a, there'll be a free tier on the platform. Right? Yeah, yeah, it'll be free to all users, mm -hmm. but to companies, I feel like it'll be reoccurring Got there. It. Okay, and then to post jobs and that kind of stuff, that's where the reoccurring model comes into play. Okay, like build with gold and give you some extra, yes, extra things you can do on Your the build with gold member. <laughs> yeah, or and, and what we really want to go to is just have companies, you know, go. And, and enroll in an enterprise solution where they just pay annually to have the platform mm -hmm. uh, or pay annually to have the leadership platform to, to give all their people access to, whatever it may be. So that's why it's most attractive to us and fits best for us as a business. Yeah. 
And it's really, it's really just a cash flow thing. I mean, it's so nice to have money coming in every single month that you can depend on that alleviates so much anxiety and pressure that a lot of businesses have to deal with mm-hmm. that we won't have to deal with. Well, you know, we're all here for the money. That's it. That's it. Almighty dollar. Trick. <laughs> but money does make this thing run, so it's important. So hopefully that's helpful, and hopefully that's yeah a good way to explain it. This work should feel good. You should feel good about the, the work that we're doing, but it's also kind of important to make money when we're doing it. It's like, um, you know, Kara will report the amount of outstanding, and that's what we're currently owed. Whereas if you have everybody's credit card and you can just charge them when you're supposed to, that outstanding number should not be, should, should be zero. Yeah. And it hurts our business because like this morning I saw it was $150,000 outstanding, which is actually pretty good. That's $150,000 that we should have, that we should be able to use that we just don't have. Don't have. That's a sizable sum of money that you're owed and that should be in your hand in your bank account, but you don't. And Mm -hmm. no one gives a shit if you're owed money. They care about how much money you have. Yeah. And it's like, I can't make payroll based on, oh, hey guys, sorry, like we're owed this money. It's probably going to come in this week. So you're not going to get your paycheck this week. You're going to get it when we come in. Like, no, no, no. You don't sign up for that as, as an individual. Uh, I have worked for a company like that before. I'm not the only person at BuildWit who has worked for a company like that before. I, it happens. <laughs> um, but that's another benefit of this model. Oh, well, thanks, James. That's a good one, dude. Um, that's why, um, just a, a, a random yeah. tangent here. That's why with um, Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's company, that's why he bought Geico and that's why he loves insurance companies is because insurance companies, they have something called float. And so you pay the insurance company every single month in anticipation of something potentially happening bad down the road. Yeah. So you're paying for coverage. Now they might have to pay you out in a few years. Say, God forbid you get into an accident, you make a claim, they give you money down the road. But if you're paying for years and years and years without an accident, no payout, what happens with all that money? That's what's called float. And they have, they have the ability to take that money and go invest it elsewhere mm-hmm. to make even more money on that money, on your money. And so that's where insurance companies actually make their money is they don't make money on premiums and, and covering stuff. They make money on utilizing the float to go make additional money as an investment. That's a pretty good, uh, pretty good business model. So that's like the opposite. Uh, you know, most businesses are behind. They're owed a lot of money and they need it. Whereas insurance companies, they, they, they earn the money up front and then have the ability to use that money to go make more money before you need, before they have to pay it out. Yeah. So well, it's, it's really interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, it's when, when you think about all of the insurance that we've all paid over the years for home insurance or car insurance or anything else, um, when you don't have to use it, you're like, man, what, what is this money for? Like, yeah. it just is. But the, but, the, but the genius is, and that's why the business is so attractive to these, these people is, it's legally required. Mm-hmm. Like auto insurance, you can't have not it. have it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's a product that everybody has to have that not necessary and pay for, mm-hmm. yet not necessarily is going to use. So that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Anyway, so you're, so you're random tangent. Buildwit is going to get into insurance. Buildwit insurance. I didn't mean to. No, it's, it's, I didn't mean to blow but, up in but, the next. But plans. that's that's why that's why prepayments are are yeah. and were important to us. Is that if I can go collect somebody's money for an entire annual period up front, 
I can use that money more effectively than they can because sure. my business is growing faster. So as long as I don't get ahead of myself and think I'm rich, which is why we switched to accrual basis. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why we recognize on accounting basis that money over a 12 month period. And not just look at all this cash I have on G uh, January 1st. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and on accounting basis, I get paid 120,000 up front. I recognize 10,000 of that every single month until it's all recognized. Mm -hmm. But on a cash basis, I have $120,000 in cash on January that I can deploy within my business that's growing at a few hundred percent a year yeah. to multiply before I have to somewhat pay that off. So that's the benefit of, of the prepayments that we've, we've always tried to gather from our partners yeah. is that money is, is more valuable to us upfront than it is throughout its life, present value of money. Like money is more important and valuable now than it is tomorrow. Yeah, because you can use it now. And that's how we'll buy a plane, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> One day. One day. Uh, well, great. I thought that was a good second internal uh, questions podcast. Those were some great questions. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm looking forward to the, the continued educational experience for me for when a lot of these questions come in that I don't know the answer to it. So I, I enjoy that I just get to ask it even though I didn't have to think of it. Yeah, no, I um, we very much appreciate the questions this mm -hmm. week, and hopefully it stays consistent. Because if we run out of questions, we're we're going to be in trouble. We're at, that means we're going to have to come up with some topics to actually talk about. Well, yeah, if I'm the one coming up with all the questions, they're going to start to get weird. We don't need that. Mm. <laughs> Debatable. Okay, maybe you could throw one weird one in there and just say it's from anonymous. Yeah, hey, this one's anonymous. <laughs> Why are you the way that you are? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we don't have enough time for that. Uh, so thanks for your questions. If you have questions, send them in to Alex. Is it just Alex at buildwit.com? Alex at buildwit.com or a Slack message. Um, any of that's fine. Or Slack or whatever. If you want it to be anonymous, clarify that you want it to be anonymous mm -hmm. or send it via in a very obscure email. Oh yeah. That you go make up. One of those 10 minute email addresses? Yes. Yeah. With a IP scrambler, yeah. <laughs> as as you do it, I don't know if that's that's the technical term for it. But, sounds good. Or uh, just just mail us an anonymous letter um, with someone's random address on the return label, mm -hmm. so that we have no idea who it came from. And cut out all the letters of your your question from ma different magazines. Yeah, so it kind of looks like a ransom note. That would be cool. Mm -hmm. I would I would appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, so thanks for tuning in and we'll see you guys next week. This is a weekly deal. Uh, send in your questions and we're looking forward to the, the next time we get to chat. Yep. These are coming out every Friday. Stay dirty. Thanks y'all.